we're doing our series called Uniquely New. God has made each and every one of us unique. He's made us that way for a reason. We first need to accept it. Accept it. You're unique. Uh, stop competing. Stop comparing. Ready? Stop competing. Stop comparing. Who cares? Who cares how good looking she is? Who cares how tall he is? Who cares how much money he has? Who cares? God made you what? Special. He made you unique. And you accept who you are, and then you learn to appreciate who you are, and then you can apply it. And the whole thing is to get to apply it means I got to give that gift away. Uh, speaking of Dr. King, you know, there was, a lot of, there was a lot of pressure when you're a young man and you're, you're going into the ministry and you want to do a good job at it. And there are guys that can preach like Dr. King. I should not try to preach like Dr. King. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I say, Chris, do yourself a favor and don't try to preach like that. But we have a gift. And what you have to learn is you won't do it the way somebody else does it, but God still has a place and a purpose for you. So today's message is called Redefining Gifted. We're going to redefine gifted. Who here remembers going to school and learning uh, that there were gifted kids? All right. Now, who here, like me, never even knew where that room was? Come on. I mean, I heard about such things, and I knew that it existed. Some corridor somewhere, they got to eat treats, and they walked on streets of gold. But there was a gifted area in our school. I know nothing about gifted. But here's what I want to tell you. You're still gifted. You're still gifted. You're gifted at something else. You're gifted in a different way. All right? I'm going to take you to parent-teacher conferences. All right? Uh, who just has anxiety as soon as I said it? Whether you're a parent or a kid, parent-teacher conferences. Anybody? A little anxiety? I want to take you there. And I want to take you to the uh, parent-teacher conference of someone that you will recognize their name later on. But this is what the teachers, and it's actually recorded, said at this young student's conference to the parents. Forgetfulness. Carelessness. Easily distracted, perpetually late. Any parents get nervous in here? Just, can you just feel your, your heart pounding a little bit? And you're thinking, oh, my kid's such a disappointment. My kid's such a loser. They're not going to amount to anything. You're trying to fight to defend them and say no. And they're, they're not consistent. And then he concluded with this. He should be at the top of his class, but he's at the bottom. How many parents are just dejected right now? This is, this is um, the student in his own words. We put a slide together for you. This is the student in his own words talking about his abilities in school. I was, on the whole, considerably discouraged by my school days. It was not pleasant to feel. So completely outclassed, outclassed, and left behind. Sir Winston Churchill. Anybody glad that Sir Winston Churchill took a few tough lumps as a kid? Please put your hand up because you aren't ruled by uh, Adolf Hitler right now. In other words, what was his gift? Well, I'm not here to, to superanalyze Sir Winston Churchill, but I tell you one thing his gift was. It was resilience. 
It was, I don't care. I'm not going to quit. And thank God we had somebody in life that said, I don't care what. I will be the last man standing here. We are never, ever, 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 ever going to quit. This was his gift. So it's one thing to look at a person by the very narrow standards that can be applied to someone and say, well, you know, they're not smart enough, they don't read well. And I had read, uh, I stumbled onto onto Winston Churchill because I was reading about famous people who had dyslexia. And I I read a book uh, about a guy who studied on dyslexia and started a reading foundation. And this is what he began to discover. Now, I'm no expert, so if you are, you can please correct, uh, fix, fix the details here. But this is what this person, who also had dyslexia, discovered. A lot of famous, well-known people, Muhammad Ali, Albert Einstein, no dummy, on and on and on the list goes, have certain uh, ways of learning that were different from traditional ways. In other words, what he said is a lot of these people, and I'm overgeneralizing, a lot of them see in pictures. And so because they see in pictures, they don't read and see the way that a lot of other people do. In other words, instead of calling it, and one person said it, it's the, it was kind of the mother of all learning disabilities. Instead of calling it a disability, what if you thought of it as a super ability? One of the more famous novels written in history, The Great Gatsby, was written by F. Scott Fitzgerald, who also had dyslexia. People say Henry Ford. People say Leonardo da Vinci. In other words, I could just go on and on and on. And what you would say is, well, that was a gifted person. That was a gifted person. But when they were early labeled, they were labeled what? Non-gifted, or even worse than non-gifted, right? And so what we have to do in life is figure out what is our gift. And one of the things I think that we learn in life is we learn very quickly sometimes what our gifts are not. I'm not good at this. And we get told that and we fail at that. And I'm not here to tell you how to figure that out because we've got to navigate it. And sometimes you just have to keep persevering and trying and getting knocked down, and that turns into a gift itself. But let me just read from 1 Corinthians 12. This is Paul trying to help all of us understand what this is about. Paul writes, 1 Corinthians, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker, hold on, seem to be weaker. This seems like he's not a good student. This seems like he's not very smart. This person seems like they're not very fill-in-the-blank, athletic, on time, disciplined. Anybody here have an undisciplined child? (laughs) They're not enough of this. They, They seem like they're weaker, are actually indispensable indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we realize, now look, when they're less honorable, and they're less obvious, let's use the physical body for a minute. You have a bicep. When I was young, you know, it was all about 
getting good biceps, right? I mean, this is the classic pose for the, to get the chicks. And you, if you could get a big bicep, this was a very important thing. And you, these are obvious things. A hand is obvious use. I know what to do this, with this. I grab things with it. I hold on. Who here knows what to use your hand for? It's easy. It's obvious. Your muscles are to show girls. Your, all these features. They have bicep contests. I used to work with a, I used to work with a weightlifter, and I used to go uh, take him around to high schools, and we would do speeches to kids and help them know that they were wonderfully made. And um, and he talked about his whole story. He got picked on as a kid. He was a he was a, a weightlifter, and he he lift up the back. I had a. Uh, I had a Ford Escort at the time. He'd pick the back of it and walk across the stage with it. And, um, and I mean, this guy had the, right? He had it. But let me ask you a question. If you could have your biceps working today or your bowels working, which would you choose? <laughs> this is what Paul was talking about. I mean, you can read the fine print, but it's exactly in there. So the parts that are weaker, they're, they're, they're hidden. They're, they're not as honorable. They're not as special. In fact, think of it this way. If you go into battle, what's the first thing that you do? You put a jacket right, what? Here. You go into a dangerous situation, a VIP goes somewhere, they put something here. Why? Because all these vital, what do we call them? Vital. If I laid a liver on your table and you weren't educated, what would you? I don't, well, I don't need that. I don't want that. Thing's just, that's gross. A hand is obvious. What do I use it for? What do I have it for? A liver? I don't know. In other words, what Paul was teaching us is some of the things that aren't so obvious, aren't so out there, are so essential. I mean, these guys singing, playing their instruments. I mean, obviously, what some of their gifts are, they're very clear. Who here has gift envy like me? I already have my hand up. I want... I, I just tell you up flat, I just want to shred a guitar one time in my life, you know what I mean, and get some fake long hair and just, I do, that's what, I mean, does anybody have gift envy? Like, but that's not my gift. I bought one one time, I was down in Nashville, and I gave it to somebody. I tried, I, my hands hurt, and look, some people have gifts, and they're obvious, and that's good, we celebrate them. Some of you are like, but that's, I don't know, that's my gift, I just, I go to work, and I, I'm not sure. Yesterday, I went to visit my 98-year-old grandma who's now been moved to a home. You know, Charlie pushed her around the best she could in her wheelchair. It's really hard to see, you know, grandma decline after being so strong. And I got to thinking about the series, and I got to thinking about her because she always asks me, you know, how is church? And she used to watch every Sunday. She'd go to my aunt and uncle's house, and I'm going to try to figure out how to get it into her, sneak it into her room here. Um, uh, you know, I think the average age is about 89, so I don't think they're all tech savvy on her floor, if you know what I mean. But I'm going to try to get it, in, get it piped in there. But I got to thinking about her. And I thought, that's it. That's grandma. You know? She's a vital organ. You know? She's a vital organ. And she, by the way, she played organ at her church for many years. She did her thing. She raised her kids. Her kids raised their grandkids. That's why I'm here. And you think, that's a vital organ. So not every gift, this is important, because some people are going to wait for this thing when you realize, oh, my word, I'm a rock star. 
And I said, you know what? Whatever the gift is, it's vital. It's vital. If it's big and bold and obvious, that's wonderful. If it's not so obvious, that's fantastic too. And so what we understand is the way God made us, and Paul talked about this as we're a body. One of the things that Paul said is, we all recognize that we need each other. Everyone is valuable because everyone plays a part. I can't say to someone else, I don't need you. Please hear this. I can't say to someone, I don't need you. If what Paul said is true, we are all part of a body. I mean, a hand is very different from an ear. But a hand can't say to the ear, I don't need you. You need. Are there some people in this world that are different from you? Very. Answer is very. You ever get back in the car and go, man, they're different. (laughs) You guys lie. Some of you are in church and you act like, I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about. Man, they're different. Uh, you, I got time. And the answer is, that's good. And we need different. I could take this into all kinds of realms. People think differently than you. People believe differently than you. People have different ideas than you. And you go, I, I don't need those. I don't need those ideas. Wrong again. Wrong again. You need people who think differently than you. That's very hard to hear today. That's very hard to hear today. But this is nothing like this. Is this true? Do you see how unbelievably diverse? What does your liver have to do with your chin? Imagine your liver and your chin going out for Starbucks together. Nothing to talk about here. This is what we're doing. We're dividing these parts that were designed to be connected. And we're telling certain people, we don't need you. You have nothing to say to me, nothing to offer to me. And what we need to understand is good, diverse is different. So we told kids, you are gifted. And we told these kids, you are special needs. You're a problem. And what we need to tell everybody is you're gifted and your gifted, and your gifted, and your gifted. And your gift is in this area, and your gift is in this area, and your gift is in this area. Everybody is gifted. Everyone is a gift. And everybody is gifted so that they can give their gift away. Certain sad er uh, eras of time, people have believed wrong things. And one of the things that was told um, to people with uh, learning disabilities is that they are not gifted. And what we need to teach them is they are gifted. It's just a different way. And you may have to struggle and struggle and struggle to figure out what it is. But maybe in the struggle is the gift. Maybe you are the next Winston Churchill. Because you can learn that you can overcome anything. There was an era of time when people were taught that if they had dark skin, that was a curse. You can actually go look up their sermons. You can find them. Incredible. You talk about some bad Bible teaching. The sons of Noah, and one of them was named this, and he had dark skin, and therefore this whole race is cursed. And un- I mean, it's horrific. 
people with dark skin, that that's a curse. That's a bad thing. And thank God we had someone like Dr. King who could stand up and teach people. Him using his gift to teach his fellow African Americans that they were not less than. They were, in fact, a gift. Here's a slice from Dr. King. I come here tonight and plead with you. Believe in yourself and believe that you're somebody. As I said to a group last night, nobody else can do this for us. No document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennesonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own Emancipation Proclamation. Let anybody take your manhood. Be proud of our heritage. As somebody said earlier tonight, we don't have anything to be ashamed of. Somebody told a lie one day. I want to get the language so right that everybody here will cry out. Yes, I'm black. I'm proud of it. I'm black and beautiful. Well, two things. One, I don't have that gift, and I wish I did, right? Uh, but listen, he was teaching something to his own fellow brothers and sisters and community that they had to overcome to look inside because after a while you start to believe that you aren't gifted. And that was something that he worked with within his own community. And whether it's teaching a child that they're gifted, even though the parent-teacher conferences aren't going well, and, and, and then their friends start to pile on, and it, and it goes from there, everybody needs to know that they're gifted. And finding that gift is the purpose of your life, giving that gift away, giving that gift away, right, is the focus of your life. That's what it's about. That's why we're here. That's what we're supposed to do. And I just want to close with a, a thought because I ended last week and somebody, a couple people asked me questions. I was talking about how we all have purpose in life and that we have a lot of passion when we know our purpose. <clears throat> When you know your purpose, you can live through anything. You can get through anything. But someone said to me, but if I don't know, if I don't know my purpose, then, you know, what do I do? And this is what's so important. What's, what's right in front of you, you apply purpose to. Do you hear what I'm saying? You do it with purpose. You don't sit and go, oh, well, when I learn whatever God's put me here for, then I'll, and I'll get at it. But until then, pass the chips. 
What you do is you get up today, you get up in the morning, and you, whatever it is, if it's a job, if it's cleaning the house, if it, say, I don't even have a job, then make your house as clean as it's ever been. That's a job. Oh, this isn't working. I thought this would, I thought you would resonate. In other words, there's something in front of you that you can do. And we always get the best direction when we're doing. You sometimes, it's like you have to stumble towards success. You do something and you keep doing it with, and so in Colossians 3.23, it says this, whatever your hand finds to do, in other words, whatever is on your calendar, whatever house you find yourself living in, whatever circumstance you're in, do that with all of your might, as at Colossians 3.23, as unto God, not unto men. He was talking to people that worked for others and probably didn't like their work. Anybody here not like, you don't have to say it if your boss is nearby, but I mean, sometimes we don't like what we do or we don't like what we do for a season of our life. Anybody ever gone through, I didn't like a certain job that I had. What do you do? Well, Paul says, be lazy, give your boss a hassle, show up late. No. Paul says, do it with all your heart. You have a sense down here, I don't think this is what I was built to do. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anybody ever do something for a while in your life that you knew you were not built to do? Thank God I was not built to live above a funeral home, which I did to get through college. Pick up people, pick up bodies in the middle of the night. You do it. You do it with all of your heart. And then guess what? Then the next door opens. And then another door closes. And then a different, has, has anyone found this to be true in your life? You have to often stumble your way to discovery. And maybe you are like Winston Churchill or Dr. King or anyone else. You will get to the point where you realize, this is my gift that I need to give to the world. By the way, I did study over the years of Dr. King to the point where I had little pictures of his grades in school. And he, he did not struggle in school. I mean, this guy was brilliant from A to Z, Right? And I think that's what's so beautiful about it and why I wanted to bring the contrast because perhaps what Winston Churchill did was he just learned to struggle. There's not a person in this room that was honest that'd say, that's what I want my kids to learn. But perhaps that's the greatest thing you can learn. Has anyone here had a struggle in your life or seven? In other words, Chris, you kind of defined the life. Life is overcoming struggle. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. This is what's so important. You have the, they have the reality and you have the hope. Reality and hope. That's what you got to give your kids. Reality and what? Hope. You got to give them both. Don't give them one. If you just give them hope, they're going to land on the rear end in a, in a fetal position crying why did this happen to me? Mom, you knocked down all the obstacles for me. You used to go to talk to all of my teachers for me. You used to make sure I got A's on everything, Mom. And then Mom's not there, and life smashes you in the face. 
oh, I'm not even, I'm not even coming over here the rest of the day. And life smashes you in the face, and you, amen, all right, I was, you guys are done. You're, you're, you're banished. You're ungifted. And life smashes you right in the face. And so you, then you need hope. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but what? Take heart. I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm coming over here. We just have to be willing to just work, work, work at something. Purpose is found when you're just applying yourself. Yes, certain people will tell stories that they can just, it just dawns on them, or they get a blinding light or something good, but that's not how it works for most people. Most people, it's just in the shoulder to the plow, and you just try this, and then you turn here, and you try this, and you learn here. But this is the other thing. Some people are really good at that. You'll meet people and they're like, I get it. They're the ones saying amen to that part of the sermon. They're like, amen. You just get in there and work. And they get their head down and they get on a track and they're climbing the corporate ladder or they're doing whatever they're doing. And really that's not what they're supposed to be doing. But they just get locked down. So here's the sweet spot. You can lock in and do what's in front of you, but you got to stay open. Because sometimes God's saying, now, leave it all behind. Now, let go. Anyone ever experienced that? Now, kiss it goodbye. Now, I'm going to take you to something that you never dreamed was possible. We need new language. We need to find new ways of talking about these things. You know, they said... Albert Einstein, when he would discover things, when he discovered things, he wasn't in a study or in a laboratory or crunching numbers or reading books. You know what Albert Einstein, this is, they said he would discover things daydreaming. That he was a god-awful sailor in a terrible piece of junk sailboat. He would go floating out. And they said literally more than once, people would have to go and retrieve him. What's the first thing we get on to our kids about? No daydreaming. You get into school and you focus. Huh? Wouldn't I be a mess of a teacher? Go for it, kiddo. Daydream. Let it rip. God has made everyone unique. It was that wandering mind, that wandering daydreaming mind that got him to conceive, like maybe there's some stuff that people haven't even thought of yet a gift. You, my friend, are gifted. And you are incredibly valuable to God. And you have a gift to give to the world. And this is to be celebrated. Perhaps the greatest gift ever given, God gave his son to us, right? And Christ gave his life for us. It's all about the giving of the gift.